0: Hey, everyone, this week, we have have a question from Darren, who's looking at buying a marketing firm in which clients prepay for services. It's a question about closing adjustments when closing day arrives. I'm David C. Barnett, and you're tuned in to Small Business and Deal Making, the podcast, YouTube channel and blog, where I talk about buying, selling, financing and managing small and medium sized businesses while controlling risk. So if you're looking to take control of your future through buying a business one day, or if you already own a business and you're looking to grow or exit, you've come to the right place. I talk about interesting things, I talk to interesting people, and I answer your questions every week right here. So be sure to hit like and be sure to hit subscribe and let's get to it. Hey everyone, I got a great, great, great question from Darren F. Uh, He sent it in via email. Let me read it for you. He says, hi, David, I've been watching a lot of your videos. I have a question in relation to a business I'm looking to purchase. The business is a marketing company and they have all their clients on retainers, but they're all different and some pay annually, some pay every half year, some pay quarterly, et cetera, but also all on different dates throughout the year, most likely based on when they started with the company. They are also different amounts of money my thought is that these retainers should be prorated according to the date that I take over the business. For example, if a client pays $120,000 in January for their 12 months of marketing services and I take over the business in July 1st, my thinking is the current owner should give me half of that retainer. The seller seems to think that everything that came in on his watch, he keeps somewhat on the basis that he has supposedly achieved the minimum commitment according to the retainer agreement how would you calculate the share of these revenues between seller and purchaser? Is my thinking correct? Cheers. What a fantastic question. Uh, Because as the the question in the email points out, there's a couple of different ways that we can look at this problem. Um, I'm gonna articulate, expand a little bit upon this problem and then give uh, a little bit of advice if you find yourself in a similar position to Darren. So first of all, I, I first talked about this kind of problem many years ago in a video called Why Are There So Many Fitness Businesses for Sale, in which I described the problem of deferred revenue that's not actually recorded properly on a company's balance sheet. So in that video, I and we'll put a link to it uh, here on the screen somewhere. In that video, I talk about how fitness clubs might sell a one year membership and, and often will simply record that as sales in that month. But in reality, they should be recognizing it as a deferred revenue or a liability owed to customers. And then as every month ticks by, part of that deferred revenue goes into sales. So because basically the customer is loaning the business uh, the money for services yet to be delivered. <clears throat> now, in a gym membership, you know, basically all that's being sold to the customer is time, access to the facility. And so in that respect, every one of those months in a 12 month contract is equivalent, right? <clears throat> they all have the same value because all you're doing is giving access to the the, pl- the place basically. In the case of the marketing agency, it would seem that the seller is saying that in that retainer, there's an imbalance between the amount of work done over the course of that, of that period of time, whether it's a quarter or half year or a full year where most of the work is done upfront to kind of earn the money. And then the period drags on maybe with some kind of support services being done throughout, throughout the term of that contract. So this is where the mismatch sort of appears between the buyer's point of view and the seller's point of view. Now, what is going to be required to fix this impasse? Well, a few things. Number one, uh, it needs to be understood exactly what these services are. So for example, if the service is to create an online ad campaign that has a lot of creative work done upfront to sort of create advertisements or videos or whatnot, and then the balance of the contract is simply the administration of the placement of those ads, buying the media, paying you know the, the websites that it appears on, et cetera, then I guess I could kind of see the seller's point of view that most of the work done to earn that money was front loaded. Um, And that very little work is being done as the months trail on. So if we were to examine each one of those contracts, it would be possible probably to make a division between the amount of money that was earned for sort of the creative work and the amount of money that is apportioned to sort of the maintenance of the file. Now, here's where it's going to get a little more difficult. Because obviously the buyer and the seller could have differing opinions on on what that's going to mean. From the buyer's point of view, he's probably, Darren is probably looking at this saying, hey, that $120,000 contract for a year, if I can get my point of view recognized, then potentially I can get $60,000 adjusted on closing day. And oftentimes in an asset sale, when operating capital is not being transferred, what that $60,000 adjustment would look like would be a $60,000 discount on closing day because the seller already received $60,000 for work now that the buyer has to do. And so you can very quickly see that in a business like this, it might be possible to whittle down the closing day price quite substantially based on the fact that the seller has already taken in a lot of this money uh, for services yet to be delivered from a buyer's point of view it may seem very tempting to want to do that because you're thinking okay wait a minute i can almost get the business for nothing all i have to do is finish delivering all this service but that implies another problem because while you may have you know up to a year to do work for people without receiving any money you certainly will have expenses commensurate with the employees staff and overheads of this business which means that while you're not giving the money to the seller, you're certainly still going to have to invest money in your business because you're going to have to figure out some way to cover all of those operating costs before the cash starts to flow to you. So you're talking about a huge operating capital deficit from the moment that you get into this business. So what then should someone like Darren be doing? Well, and and before I get into that, let me talk about another scenario. Um, that it just came to mind. Um, I have been involved before in a business that had some of these future-related uh, liabilities to customers as well. And in that case, what happened was uh, the buyer and seller agreed that a certain portion of the money that was paid by each customer represented the marketing and sales effort of the seller. And the and and so if you think about. Uh, you know, you're selling a, in business, selling a piece of machinery. You might have a salesperson who you pay a 10% commission to. So what they agreed to, I think it was about 15%. They said 15% of the amount yet to be delivered to customers actually represented the marketing and sales efforts of the seller. So he got to keep that amount. So the, the deferred revenue that was adjusted on closing day uh, was was basically shrunk by 15%. So the seller got to keep that portion because he was the one who made the sale and then they prorated the balance, the other 85% for the number of months that were left over. So that represents sort of a, a solution to which I was you know leaning towards earlier. That if you can come to an agreement with the seller about what portion of the contracts represents sort of upfront work versus the delivery of service over time, then you you can come to an agreement on these. But what if you can't? What if Darren and this seller are at loggerheads and they just simply can't agree? On what's going to happen well then the answer is for darren simply to accept from the seller that there will not be any more adjustments and so then what does that mean for darren and his offer well you'll have to look at the price you're willing to pay based on the cash flow of the business and then you'll have to consider how much money do i need to shovel into this business to get me from now until the point where i start to receive some money from these contracts turning over And, and what Darren will quickly realize is that he's probably got quite a gap to fill. And where's that money going to come from? It's got to come from the money that he was going to be putting into the deal anyway. And so it's going to mean, Hey, if you want us to deal with these accounts under these terms, it simply means I have to adjust my offer to be lower. And, and that's it. That's all there is to do. There's, there's no way to kind of In my experience, there's no way to fight and argue and try to convince someone that you're right and they're wrong. At the end of the day, every business transaction is a complicated thing that has to be worked on by two parties to come to a solution that works for both parties. And in working with someone, you enter into a collaborative environment, which means you're going to have to figure out a way to work with this other party. And oftentimes that means you're going to have to give a little but it's going to come down to something like well if that's how we're going to treat these contracts then it means i have to put in more money to get myself to the cash flow and so that means i can pay you less it's as simple as that and so you make the best offer that you can it's up to the seller to decide if they're going to accept that offer or not and sometimes it might take holding back letting the scenario cool off a little bit letting a few weeks or months go by and then re-engaging with that seller and coming back because obviously every other buyer that comes along and looks at this business is eventually going to come to the same kind of problem and they're going to have to rationalize or figure out how they're going to deal with it and honestly it's a problem that that is going to affect the value of this business Um, to your point. Yeah, they're being paid in advance for work that has to be delivered. Any buyer is either going to have to have an adjustment on closing day or pay less for the business, which is effectively the same thing, because they're going to have to shovel in more money uh, to cover those operational costs. If, uh, if you're seriously considering buying a business, then you should head over to businessbuyeradvantage.com, where you can learn all about how I can help you with this complex task of buying a business And I basically detail all the different programs and offerings I have in there. And you can find a link in there to my Business Buyer Advantage online program, which as of April 2023 is about to undergo a major upgrade. So if you haven't already, please enroll yourself, uh, because no matter when you enroll yourself in Business Buyer Advantage, you have lifetime access to the program and any new updates or changes that occur over time, uh, you equally have access to. So with that, We'll say see you later, and uh, we'll finish off with a word from today's video sponsor. Special thanks, quote, to today's video sponsor, Mark Willis of Lake Growth Financial. Mark helps people better manage their personal wealth and business finances through the bank-on-yourself insurance strategy. This is something I've done personally and I've gotten lots of positive feedback from people I've worked with over the years. Go to newbankingsolution.com to find a playlist of all the interviews I've done with Mark and to learn more about the advantages of these programs. While there, sign up to arrange a conversation about what this solution might look like for you. So how can you learn more about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses? Easy. Head over to my blog site at davidcbarnett.com. You'll find hundreds of articles and videos all for free. You'll find links to my books and online courses, and you can sign up for my email list and get emails covering topics that interest you and be notified of new videos.